What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Spectators. I'm Julian Osius, and I am here to talk about all the chaos and madness that has happened over the last week. It is now March 29th, 2021. We just finished the Sweet 16 in the NCAA. The NBA trade deadline just happened. MLB's opening day is in just a couple days on Thursday. There's a lot going on. This is not the only episode of The Spectators you're going to be getting this week, but this is the first, so we're going to go over all the basketball stuff because there is, in fact, a lot of it. So, let's go ahead and start off with the NBA. We'll get over to NCAA. We'll talk a little bit about it because there are Elite Eight games going on today, so I don't really want to beat a dead horse with that and then have my opinions be wrong (laughs) an hour later. So... We're going to talk more about the NBA than anything, and uh, we're going to get right into it. One of the big things that happened over the trade deadline, the Orlando Magic decided it is time. They're doing it. They're blowing it up. They're sick of being mediocre, and they traded everybody. (laughs) They traded everybody. They got rid of Aaron Gordon in a deal to the Denver Nuggets. Evan Fournier goes to Boston. And Nikola Vukovic goes to the Chicago Bulls. They had a couple other little things they did. Cutting some of the guys they traded for. Kind of just accumulating picks and all that. Uh, We're going to talk about Fournier first. So Evan Fournier, he has been a really good player in the NBA. He's done a really good job at the Magic for a long time now. But again, they've kind of just been the Magic. Like they, they haven't. It's hard for him to be the best player on a team and a team to be successful, right? So this year on the Magic, he was averaging 33 minutes a game on a career high 19.7 points. So this is a this is a guy who can get a bucket, right? He's not an elite passer by any means. He's never been a, a plus defender. He's like a good defender. He's really good at one thing, and that's creating a shot, getting an open look, and hitting shots. He was shooting... 56%, which is actually, like, insane. And uh, a little under 40% from three. This is a really good guy for the Celtics. It doesn't fix their issues. The Celtics needed a guy who was going to help run an offense a little bit more. Instead, they kind of just got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum 2.0 minus the rebounding and the, and the defense because those, those two guys give you great defense and, like, some length. He doesn't provide either of those. So, essentially... This was just replacing Gordon Hayward, except they replaced him four months later. (laughs) Like, Gordon Hayward left right after the bubble ended, and now here they are replacing him now in essentially April. And I don't know. It feels a little... It feels a little rushed because the Celtics are... They're a game or two away from being a four seed. They're a game or two away from being a ten seed. Like they're they're that mediocre this year. They've been floating around five hundred. They don't have a good offense. It's ISO ball, and that's why I think this doesn't work that well. Because Fournier was good because he was playing in situations where he would like have an offense moving, and it wasn't an efficient offense by any means. But it was not standstill. Give it to Jason Tatum, let him cook. Give it to Jalen Brown, let him cook. I don't know what this really does for them, personally. I don't know. I don't know. And then you add Aaron Gordon to the Denver Nuggets. 
That one's pretty interesting. They get some size, and they're already a team that was kind of big, but they get Aaron Gordon. They get JaVale McGee, which is, I feel like, an underrated thing for them. Nice to have a backup defending type of guy when uh, Jokic isn't on the court. But they give up RJ Hampton, which, and they give up Gary Harris. So they get the big Gary Harris money off the table, which is great for them. Because that Gary Harris deal was just insane. RJ Hampton is like a piece that I think they sold for higher than he's worth. So that's good. And Aaron Gordon, he's maybe the best power forward in basketball. But I don't know if he like fits this team. Like Aaron Gordon is a really weird piece because he's ultra athletic, ultra talented. But he doesn't shoot the ball particularly well. Right, he shoots catch and shoot threes very well, but like doesn't shoot any sort of off the dribble. Besides, just like his dunks and his layup packages. I don't know. He's he's really really interesting. We're gonna see. I think this could be really cool because it just adds another athletic guy to an already really overly athletic team. So, I don't know. This is going to be one of those things we have to see how it fits. But off the top of my head, I don't love the fit, but I like his ability to move off the ball, make cuts, and potentially spread the floor a little bit with that catch-and-shoot ability, but also be able to penetrate. I don't know really what to think about it fully, but there's Aaron Gordon. Um, and then Chicago. This one's like the really, really interesting situation here. So Chicago, they have Zach Levine, who has been playing absolutely out of his mind. He's in any normal world, he'd probably win most improved, but it's not going to happen just because there's so many guys that are also vastly improved this year in more areas than just scoring. When you look at Julius Randle and you look at, um, I can never remember his name. I don't know why. Uh, Grant, Jeremy Grant from Detroit. I mean, he's literally doubled all of his career totals, and he's become an elite player just overnight. So Zach Levine in a normal year would probably win most improved. He's not this year, but he's a great piece for the Bulls if they do see a future soon to be contending, or at least like being a playoff team and contending with that regard. They get rid of Wendell Carter. They get rid of Luke Cornett, guys that didn't really work out, draft picks that just didn't wind up working they get rid of Otto porter which was great it was the same thing as the the gary harris situation just big money for absolutely no reason he was maybe the fifth sixth best player on this team and he was making more than all six guys above him on that list which is just bananas um and i don't know the bulls are potentially going to be a playoff team they're probably going to be in that play-in group tournament for the east so they're seeing this as an opportunity to get all their young guys a little bit of playoff experience. And they go get, in my opinion, the second best center in basketball at right behind Anthony Davis. You got Anthony Davis, and in my opinion, you got Nikola Vukovic, or, or I guess Joel Embiid. So Vukovic is the three guy in that in that regard. But they go get a really, really talented and underrated center in Nikola Vukovic. He's had an unbelievable career in Orlando that nobody's cared about because he's in Orlando. He's a double-double machine. He's constantly getting over 10 to 15 rebounds a game. He's he's developed a shot, too. This is a guy that can shoot. He can face you up. He can back you down. 
he can shoot. Obviously, he's not a great ball handler. So that's like one thing that Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid have over him. But he is, in a sense, still a modern-day center because he's a big, strong dude that can get a board, and he can also stretch the court. I don't know what to think about this making them better this year. But if Chicago can get Colby White to mature a little bit more, and if Laurie Marketing can get a little bit better and just be a little bit more consistent, this is a team that could be really fun to watch in, in the coming years or just through the, down the stretch of the end of the season. So look out for the Bulls, right? That's all the, the magic trades. I, that was a lot. <laughs> but those are three good players. They, they did give out three really good players, and it's important to know that Orlando has officially given up, right? Um, Miami. Miami took a big risk here. But, and when I say a big risk, I say it just in the fact that they had they went to the finals last year already. They know they have the talent to go back. But it hasn't really worked, especially Jimmy Butler's been hurt. When he's out, this team just doesn't know how to play. Tyler Heroes had a down year. Their offensive efficiently, efficiency has dropped significantly. They were the 7th best team in efficiency last year, and this year they're the 25th best team. Um... Kelly Olynyk three-point percentage was a big reason they were great last year because he was a great catch-and-shoot guy that could stretch the floor. He went from 40% to 31. Tyler Hero, the same thing. And it's just one of those situations where Miami needed to kind of take a risk on somebody. They go out and trade for Oladipo. They just do a pick swap, so nothing too crazy. They trade Kelly Olynyk. They trade Mo Harkless. And Avery Bradley, those are guys that really didn't give them a whole lot. Oh, again, Olenek did, but Harkless and Bradley, not not so much. So they lose a little bit of depth. But they go get Victor Oladipo, who at his best is, a, is an all-star caliber player. We've seen how good and how much of a spark plug he can be as a scorer. That's kind of what they need because this defense is already good. Oladipo is a great athletic 2-3 type of guy. And him and Jimmy Butler will be really fun because they both play really hard. I don't know if they'll be friends with each other, but I think they'll play well with each other, if that makes sense. So we'll we'll see how Oladipo kind of plays in a less toxic environment than uh, the Heat. <laughs> um, Pretty much the last like big trade that happened, there, there was a lot of trades. I think it was like the most trades ever. But the last important trade that happened was uh, between the Raptors and the Portland Trailblazers. The Blazers send out Rodney Hood and Gary Trent Jr. These are two guys that have been really good for the Blazers. They're streaky guys, though. Sometimes you'll see Rodney Hood go for 30. Sometimes you see Gary Trent hit five, six threes in a game. But they get rid of those guys. It's two guys that kind of have some, like Rodney Hood has some injury history. And again, streaky. They get Norman Powell. Norman Powell is the fourth best percentage shooter from corner threes in the NBA shooting 53% on corner threes and that's just something that the Blazers needed like really really bad because they have they're a really athletic team they're a really long team obviously Dame and CJ when they're both healthy are maybe the best combo not named Steph and Clay as like the one-two guard especially when it comes to winning like these guys just do it they, they've been winning for a long time and they're great together and i think adding powell they lose a lot of height 
right? You're replacing Rodney Hood, a guy that's probably like six inches taller than him. But you're getting a guy who, when you need him to, could be great for the second unit. Not that he's coming off the bench, but he could be great for the second unit. And it's not like Portland was very good defensively anyway. Like, Portland was bad defensively. So losing that at that length doesn't seem to do much because they're already 29th in the league in defensive efficiency or defensive rating. So you get a great perimeter defender in Norman Powell who's shooting 53% from the corner. He's won a championship. He knows what it takes. And I love Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry's a Hall of Famer. He's the best Toronto Raptor of all time, in my opinion. Damian Lillard is just better in every way. And so now he gets to play with a better guard. That's going to, I don't know. I'm really excited for Norman. Um, he's on a great team. This is the piece that the Blazers have really been needing for a long time. And then I think if the Blazers can just get healthy, that they're actually going to be a much more dangerous team than you think they're going to be. So I think this was probably, in my opinion, the best trade for a team that is a genuine contender. I don't know how much of contenders Portland was before this. I know they've been really good this year, especially recently. I think they won four or five in a row. CJ's healthy again. They're getting healthier. They're getting more games in. I really like Norman on this team. That's probably the best trade at the deadline, in my opinion. And I think Portland is going to make a real run at to be the two, one, two, three seeds in the West. I really do. But the real, the real, real meat and potatoes from the trade deadline isn't who got traded, but it's all the guys that got cut. A lot of guys were getting cut, and a lot of guys were getting bought out. Blake Griffin already happened a couple of weeks ago. Blake Griffin gets bought out. He goes to the Nets. Then you have other guys like Austin Rivers gets bought out. He's likely going to join the Bucks, And the two other big, big names that get bought out LaMarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond, two of the best guys at the position, two guys still in their prime. Now, granted, LaMarcus is towards the end of it, still in his prime, though. Bonafide all-star, bonafide, bonafide ball player. Like He's been great for the last decade. He's been really good. The only reason that the Spurs weren't terrible is because he was there, and they'll probably be pretty bad now that he's gone. You add that, a guy that can stretch the floor, he can shoot mid-range shots, which is kind of a dead art, but he does it pretty well. He's a good foul shooter. He's a good He's a good defensive rebounder. Not so much on offense, but he's a good defensive rebounder. And you're adding some like actual size to a team that doesn't have a whole lot. He's easily their best center now, unless you're counting Claxton, because Claxton's a great defensive guy, and he's not going to demand the touches that LaMarcus might. So maybe you say Claxton, but it's certainly not DeAndre, and it's certainly not Blake Griffin. I think LaMarcus is the best of these types of pickups that the Nets have gotten. Obviously not James Harden, but, I mean, James Harden might be the MVP of this league with LeBron and Joel Embiid going down, so... Obviously, Harden's the most important one, but I really, really, really like Aldridge on this team. Not if it's kind of like a mellow situation. Will Lamarcus be okay with taking six shots a game? 
taking eight shots a game at most. Like, is that is that going to be all right? Is he okay with that? I really don't know. I'm really just not sure. So we kind of got to see how that's going to go. But we have – it's it's just ridiculous. There's six Hall of Famers on the Nets right now. And four of them are still in their prime. It's just insane. And so the Nets really have done a good job at, like, spreading their wings and just saying, like, we're doing this to beat LeBron. Because that's at the end of the day, that's what everything is. We're, every team is trying to get better so that they can beat LeBron. That's all it is. It's his league. He's hurt for the first time in God knows how long. And it's only an ankle thing. It's nothing too crazy. But LaMarcus goes there. And so Andre Drummond decides, well, I'm not going to go against LeBron. Let's, let's join him. And so... LeBron gets the Cavs teammate that he never had. <laughs> Andre Drummond gets bought out by the Cavaliers, joins the L.A. Lakers, joins Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Montrez Harrell, Dennis Schroeder. This is already a really good roster. And he just adds more depth. He he helps down low. He's going to get boards. Like, if nothing else that Andre Drummond does, he's going to shoot 50%. And he's going to get some boards. He's not the best defender in the world, but he's certainly not bad. He's a big dude. He's not super athletic, but he's a big dude that clogs up the lane. So as long as they can use him in a way that doesn't actually clog the lane offensively, because I think that'll be an issue. If he doesn't clog the lane offensively and he is helping defensively enough and he's getting boards down... I think this is a great pickup for them. They kind of needed it. The injury bug has hit them pretty hard this year. I mean, their two best players are out. Anthony Davis has not been himself all year to begin with anyway. So this is kind of like a backup plan safety valve. Now, let's just be real. None of this matters if LeBron's not back and 100%. Even if Anthony Davis comes back and it's just AD, it doesn't matter. Like, this only works if you have LeBron back. So we're definitely going to hope that he gets healthy because they're definitely the best opportunity to beat the Nets in the finals. I mean, that's assuming that they get there. We still got to worry about the Bucks. Bucks are really good. They got P.J. Tucker right before the trade deadline. I don't know if we've talked about that before, but they get P.J. Tucker. So you got really, it feels like, four teams that are in contention with two of them that are heavily favorites, right? You got the Clippers. I guess we'll say the Jazz, too. I don't like saying the Jazz. It never feels like it's going to work in the playoffs. They're kind of like Denver last year, where I just don't think it's going to work. But the Jazz, the Clippers, the Lakers, and then the Bucks and the Nets. And then the outside looking in, I would give you the, the Blazers are probably my outside looking in team. as like the only one, truthfully. I don't like any of the East teams outside of the top two. I don't think Philly's... I don't, I don't like what Philly Philly got for a playoff run, especially against the, the two other big dogs in the East, right? Because they're going to have to play both of them. So I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. It was a wild trade deadline. It was the most amount of trades at the deadline ever, which is insane. And most of them were small. A lot of them were like three-team kind of deals or like we trade and then we trade this and then we trade this and then we cut that guy. Like a lot of it was just exchanging money. Oklahoma City was just getting more and more draft picks. They have 
I want to say 38 draft picks in the next 14 years, which is just ridiculous. Well, not 14 years, like seven years. It's just something ridiculous, like way more roster spots than they can ever have. So I don't know what they plan on doing with those, but they figured, hey, we're going to get some sort of assets. And I, sure, go crazy, <laughs> go crazy. But yeah, a lot of trades. NBA is starting to get a little spicy. You know, we're approaching the end of the year. Hopefully people start to get a little bit healthier. That Eastern playoff conference or playoff picture is just insane. Every day teams move up four spots and down four spots. I know the, the Knicks were like the, the eighth seed the other day. We won two games in a row and now we're to four. It, it's just insane. So we're going to keep looking at that. We're going to see how these trades go, particularly Drummond and LaMarcus, but like in particular LaMarcus, just because that's the healthier situation right now. So we're going to see how that works. They have absolutely a super team over there. It's not good for the league at all. I hate it. I just need that to be known. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Kevin Durant started it. We hate KD. Boo. KD stinks. Obviously not, but we, we, we don't stand KD around here. We don't stand KD around here. And then real quick, let's uh, let's transition into the Sweet 16. We're not going to talk about the matchups in the Elite Eight at all. It's just not fair to me that by the time I put this out there, these games are going to be over. So I'm not going to do that to myself. Uh, a bunch of blowouts, really. There was one... There was two really good games. There was two really good games. And those are the ones we're going to talk about, right? Gonzaga blows out Creighton. Baylor blows out Villanova. Oregon gets blown out by USC. Uh, Oregon State honestly just shut down Loyola. That was like very surprising. Michigan blows out Florida State, and these all these were all games that felt like blowouts. You know, like the, these were not like oh the score was inflated. No, these felt like blowouts. Uh, Houston just absolutely dominates Syracuse. Tough weekend for me. Syracuse and Oregon lose in the Sweet 16. It's a tough weekend for me. But the two games that were that really stood out that were really really good. First one. It happened day one. I think it was game number two. Arkansas, Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, the 15 seed, the Cinderella of the tournament, the second ever 15 seed to make the Sweet 16. And boy, did they make Arkansas sweat. This was absolutely an insane game. It was the second time these teams played all year. Arkansas actually did this thing, and uh, the the must bus, the, the coach over there, Musselman, um, he actually scheduled a lot of these mid-major schools that he had, he assumed was going to win their conference. So he did a game with like Oral Roberts in North Texas. Uh, he, they played each other earlier in the year. And he said, these are teams we want to play because they're those mid-major type of teams that we might see in the tournament. And lo and behold, North Texas got a win. Oral Roberts got two wins. And then they actually get matched up against Oral Roberts again. So for the second time this year... They play Oral Roberts, and for the second time this year, Arkansas was down double digits at the half to Oral Roberts. So this game almost played out exactly like the other one, except Arkansas in the first game actually pulled away a little bit towards the end and wound up winning it by double digits. This one was not not that way. Uh, there was a 10-point lead blown by Oral Roberts. Arkansas came back, as they seem to have done all year. They, they win all their games just way closer than they need to. And it really just came down to the end of this game. Oral Roberts draws up an incredible play to get not an open look, but a good look from the elbow for three 
If it goes in, they win. Rims out, they lose. It's a good look out of his hands. I swear to you, I thought this ball went in. I swear I thought this ball went in. Hits off the left iron. Rims out. Arkansas survives. Cinderella. Uh, It it was really an amazing story, Oral Roberts. I kind of wish they could have won this game. Arkansas was the better team. Like, they should have probably won by more. But I think they were just, like, not shooting particularly well, especially in the first half. Arkansas wins this game. Our Oral Roberts was a great story. They almost did it. They almost advanced to play Baylor. But instead, we got Baylor and Arkansas happening today, actually. So keep out, keep an eye out on that game. The second game that was great, one of the three Pac-12 teams that made the Elite Eight. Three Pac-12 teams made the Elite Eight. Not one of them are ranked above six. So Pac-12 was a little underranked in this tournament. Pretty easy to tell. Because most of this tournament was pretty chalk for the most part. You have three number ones that are in it. You have Gonzaga, number one. Baylor, number one. Michigan. Then Houston is a number two. Right? And then you have Arkansas as a number three. So the only teams that aren't a one or three seed are these Pac-12 schools that are still in it. So there's something to be said about that. UCLA, Alabama. What a game this was. Alabama. There was a, first of all, there was a lot of foul trouble in this game. Early on, Alabama was, like, best player. was just two fouls, like, 40 seconds in the game. So he had to sit up a lot of a lot of the time. UCLA had two guys get, not ejected, but fouled out. And the crazy part about them fouling out is this game becomes, like, a, a five-point game. Alabama gets a bucket. The ball rolls the right way. Alabama's able to get a shot off with no time left. They were down three. It's a logo shot. Dame Lillard calls, said Dame time. Alabama hits a three at the buzzer to tie this game and send it to OT. Talk about a momentum shift, right? Wrong. <laughs> you go straight into OT, and UCLA scores 26 points in the overtime to eventually get a 10-point win in what was a much closer game than this. If you saw the, the buzzer beater to tie it up, you know how insane this game was. The end of this game was super irritating. The end of regulation and of the, the overtime. There was about 40 seconds left, and it actually lasted like 15 minutes. Every single play was a foul or a timeout, and it just got dragged on really long. It was kind of frustrating to watch. And then like at the end of OT, Alabama was down like 12, and they kept fouling. And it almost felt like you guys just... You guys lost. It's I know it sucks and it's not fun, but there there does have to be a point when you're down 12 with nine seconds left that we're not fouling. <laughs> this game just took far too long. But this was the other good. There was, again, there was only two good games in the Sweet 16. And this one went to OT. UCLA punches their ticket to the Elite Eight. There are three Pac-12 teams in the Elite Eight, the most of any conference. I don't think any other conference has more than two. In fact, they, there is not another conference or more than two. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. So probably the, the division that was given the least amount of respect comes away with the most successful year in terms of all of its teams. You had one team leaving the round of 32, one in the Sweet 16, and three in the Elite Eight, and that was all of your teams. At, to this point, they're 11-2 in the tournament. 
crazy. And do I expect either of these teams or any of the three to win their next matchup? No. No, 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 no. The only one that I think even has a chance is UCLA against Michigan. I don't, I don't love Michigan. But I don't expect any of them to win and make it to the Final Four. If they do, that would be amazing. But just getting to this point, all as underseeded teams and underranked teams and teams that nobody had getting to this point is already a, a Cinderella enough story. And it, it wasn't just a single team, but it was the conference as a whole. So pretty, pretty cool stuff coming out of there. This tournament has been insane. And again, it kind of always winds up getting chalky towards the end where you still have your one seeds in the Elite Eight and you still have twos and threes alive. And that's kind of what happened apart from these Pac-12 teams. So cool stuff. Very cool stuff. Happy to see teams that really, for the most part, deserve it. All these teams are just clicking at the right time. Gonzaga's been clicking all year. They haven't lost a game. Baylor's lost two games all year. So, you know, those make sense. And those two, those teams haven't really been threatened yet. So if, if there's a, a bet on who's going to be in the finals, I'm going to go with Gonzaga and Baylor. We'll see because the final four will be set after tomorrow on the 30th. So excited for that. We're hyped for the final four. We're hyped for MOB. MOB season starts on Thursday. You will get another episode from me. And I believe Brooklyn will be back. I'm not exactly 100% sure, but I think Brooklyn will be back for that episode. So keep an eye out. I know you miss him. Don't worry. He'll be back. We'll have a baseball episode coming for you. And in that episode, we're not, we're not going to do our typical preview episode. We're going to switch it up a little bit. We're actually going to do our top players. So we're going to do a list of our top players and kind of compare our two lists. Maybe compare it to like an ESPN list or something like that. And, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be a lot of fun because we love talking. You guys know we love talking about individual players here. So uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, I hope you had a very good weekend. I hope you enjoyed all the trades, all the free agency. Hopefully your team got better. Let me know which team you think did the best in free agency, in the trades, picking up all these guys. Let me know. Let me know if your bracket is, like, somehow surviving. And, yeah, thank you guys as always. Make sure you follow us on all of our social medias, at underscore the spectators. That's Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We put content on all three of those all the time. So go check that out. And go to the YouTube and like and subscribe as always. Thank you, guys. Have a good rest of your week. Take it easy. I will see you guys next time.